Well, good morning. I'm glad that you guys are here today. Uh, I know it's a little cooler than it has been in the past. Uh, I was talking with my wife last night. We had got home from Apple Hill with the kids and I opened the door to let the dog out and the wind is rushing in. And I was like, man, just like two weeks ago, it was like shorts weather. Now I feel like we need to completely be bundled up. So thank you guys for coming out today. I want to talk about a verse that really kind of popped out in my mind a couple weeks ago in Ecclesiastes. Uh, Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom written by Solomon, who God had blessed with supernatural wisdom. Pastor Nick did a a sermon series about this book. You can watch all the sermons online at our website. For today, though, we're only going to be looking at part of one verse, but it's a verse I think we can get peace from when we look at it correctly. And our verse is Ecclesiastes 7.14a. There's two parts to it. I'll read the whole part, but our focus will be on this first half of it. And it says, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. And I really want us to put our focus in on the first half of this verse, because I think we can get some truths about who we are, about who God is, and about what he's done for his people. If you look at it, from the very beginning, it talks about, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. So our first thing I want us to see here is the idea of prosperity. And right off the bat, I don't want us to get confused with the way that other people you might hear on the TV, televangelists, nonsense preachers, talk about prosperity, that God's going to just give you money if you give him something, or he's going to bless you with great health if you give him money, or you give this evangelist nonsense uh, your money. I want us to think of prosperity as actual blessings that come from God, not something that we arm twist God into giving us because we've sowed a seed as these uh these false teachers have laid out for us. We want to look at this prosperity as good things in our lives, blessings that have come to us. We all have them. You all have loved ones who are healthy right now. You all have air in your lungs. You're alive today. You were, you were able to make it here. Maybe you drove, maybe you walked with a friend, but we all were able to get here today. Okay? All of us today will be blessed by the work that the, that the Lord has done through this food pantry. You guys will have material blessing because God provided it for you. That is prosperity. Okay? And then we should, we should see that the result of this prosperity is, is joyousness. How many of you guys find out that when maybe a loved one is sick and they get well, how many of you guys are happy about that? I know I am. Okay. I have, I have, Two older kids, and you guys have seen my, my little foster kids here s- several times. Either Trish or I bring them, and, we're, and life's crazy for us. Like, every morning I wake up with them, it's joyful. You should see the, we should see these blessings as joyousness. The prosperity is not just a monetary thing here for us. We want to see it as more than that. The very lives that we have are because they were given to us, and that should bring us joy. Even when I'm up at 3.30 in the morning with him, like I was this morning, that was still a joyous time. This joyfulness should should infuse us and should flow out of us as well. And we're going to talk about what that joyfulness should look like later on. But we see later on a conjunction. 
I'm a, I'm, I'm a fifth grade teacher. One of the things I teach is writing with my partner. Uh, and we talk a lot about writing mechanics. What are, like things like punctuation, capitalization, conjunctions, the positives, all the things that y'all learned about in fifth grade and then forgot because they're kind of ingrained into us and you're not being asked to tell me what a conjunction is. Well, the word, the word and here is a conjunction. It's putting two things together and having us look at them in some way similarly, connected in some way, okay? And what are we connecting here with this idea of the day of prosperity bringing us joy? Well, it says, in the day of adversity. Raise your hand if you've had some adversity in your life as well. Yeah, we all have. I was born, I was born not being able to see any colors, being light sensitive, and being super duper nearsighted, legally blind. That made parts of my life pretty adverse. I think all my clothes match. I don't ever worry about it because I can't fix it anyways. And my wife does a nice job of buying things that are pretty like uniform to go through. But not being able to see does provide other adverse situations for me. One morning I was making breakfast with my kids and I, we, I made pancakes and I grabbed the syrup bottle, squirt the syrup all over the pancakes and I passed the plate over to my daughter. My daughter looks at it and says, why are you trying to trick me? And I said, what are you talking about? She said, you just put dish soap on the pancakes. It's a darkish colored liquid in the shape of a bottle that looks pretty much like the Anchemina bottle when you're grabbing it quickly and you can't see colors. But I squirted it right on there, didn't take any moment to think about it, and I moved it on. Luckily, she was there and she saw it. If she not, I think I would have grabbed it and taken a big old bite. Another time, we were at a... I, I work with the youth group here at church. We have a Christmas party, and uh, it, it's this weird. The, you bid on presents, and you get when you open it. I opened one up. It had a bunch of malt balls in it, and I like malt balls. You don't have them very often. So I immediately open the, the tube of them, and I start eating them. And the first one I bite into, this paint starts drooling out of my mouth. It was a paintball. And again, I'm sure the color was very clear that it was not a malt ball, but when you're blind – Things aren't necessarily what they appear to be all the time. So we all have adversity, okay? That adversity, that adversity is in everyone's life. How do we deal with that? How do we look at that adversity? If you, if you looked at, again, if we go back and we view these false preachers on TV who talk about prosperity and God wants to just bless you. And if you give him something, then you really have it over him and he's got to give it to you. They don't ever think about adversity in the same, in the same sense. But we need to see that today. Okay? It talks about here, prosperity. Be joyful when that happens. Yeah, you should absolutely be joyful. You should be thankful. You should get down on your knees and thank the God of the universe that you have prosperity in any and every aspect of your life. But, it, but when adversity comes, it does not get, notice the, we have prosperity and adversity. We would look at those here as opposites. But when we have, but later on, when it talks about being joyful, consider is not the opposite of that. If it were up to us and how we write and how we feel, we might say in the time of adversity, be angry, be sad, be frustrated. But that's not what God's word tells us. Our, God's word tells us something else, something deeper, something real. It says what? It says, consider. It says, 
Life stinks right now. I don't know that I'm going to have enough money to put gas in my car. Raise your hand if that's a, a worry. It is for me. Okay. Raise your hand if you're not sure that you can get food on the table 100% of your time. I think about that. I grew up very close to the bone. We lived, we lived off of help from food pantries. I know that feeling. I remember when the food pantry boxes would come, we'd put it in the shelf and I think, man, this is what the rich people are feeling like right now. Just that joy of having something, knowing, okay, my needs are met. They were provided. Now, I was in fifth grade, sixth grade, third grade. I didn't recognize that those, those blessings were from a God who controls all things. Okay? And it's very easy for us to get into that mindset of adversity, bad, angry. I'm not being blessed. God's not loving me. He's angry with me for something. Okay? I am, I am failing in some way. That could be, that could be, but that's because we come to the word consider. We have to take stock and think about a few things. And it tells us, what are we supposed to consider? It says that God has made one as well as the other. So we don't want to get into this mindset that God has, God is giving us uh, prosperity. He's giving us blessing, but then Adversity comes from somewhere else that's outside of God's control, that's outside of God's desire for it to happen. We need to see that God is controlling all aspects of everything. There's not one thing that God is not in charge of. When we get that raise at work, when we get that good deal on something, God made that happen. When we get sick, or we're not sure where the rent's gonna go, where the rent money's gonna come from. God is in charge of that too. And that should give us great joy. That should give us peace. Because God, in his sovereignty, sovereignty is God's ability to be the supreme ruler of all things. God answers to no one about anything. He doesn't have to check with any of us about anything. He has all things in his hands to do as he wills 100% of the time. Whether that is prosperity, blessing, whether that is adversity, God, not only is he in charge of it, he has ordained it to happen, and we're gonna talk about why, okay? Consider God has made one as well as the other. We want to see that we do not live in a world that is left up to chance or random things happening. That is not how this world works. There will be people outside of this building who will tell you, oh, everything just evolved, or oh, it just happened, or oh, you had bad luck. No, God controls all things. You're here today, breathing, being alive, because God decided for you to be here at this time. I get to teach today because God's here. These babies live in my house because God ordained it to happen. They might not get to stay forever. God has decided that. What we want to see is why do these sometimes, these adversities come in our lives? Why does adversity happen? Well, I think there's, I think there's kind of two paths why we get adversity. One path de determines are you, if you are a believer, if you count Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you've placed your trust in him knowing that he is the one who lived the life that you could not live. He was perfect when you failed. 
he was the one who took the punishment that is rightly on your shoulders and you are his, you are his, that adversity comes because it's doing a few things. One, it could be sanctifying you. Sanctifying is kind of this big churchy word that we use to God kind of building us up into being closer to the image of his son. So when you're, when you're a young believer, you still, you don't know any, nearly as much about the Lord as you do. You've walked him for a long time. Your trust in him is at, at the, probably the lowest point it will be as you see God building you up and working on you. You see that the things that you used to do, the things that you used to believe, the things that you used to love, those tastes start to change. That's because God is building you up to be the image of his son, drawing you near to himself, pulling out, pruning away the things in your life that are, that are keeping you from being obedient to him fully. And that process of sanctification goes on and on and on for the whole of your life. Whether you are 70 and you just became a believer and then you pass away at 73, or you became a believer at 16 and you believe the whole time and pass away at 73, that sanctification process that the Lord does on you works the whole time. And at the end, you are 100% conforming the image of his son when you are brought to him in heaven. So that adversity can be coming in your life, not for anything else other than God using it to sanctify you, to grow you, to get you to recognize he is Lord of all things and to give you a deeper trust in him. And let me tell you, it's hard. It is real hard sometimes. God's also, for his children, uses adversity because his people, although saved, although God has covered all of their sins, still sometimes sin. If, you, if you've known me for a long time, Pastor Nick will tell you, I am not a perfect person. There are times when I doubt. There are times when I'm angry. There are times when I lash out. My students at Sutter will tell you the same thing. Mr. Kessler is not perfect. And there are times when my, my sin is in need of correction. And God uses it to teach me, to show me what is wrong, to draw me towards what is correct, to bring me back to focus on him and obedience. If you are not a believer, though, this adversity is also a good thing. Rightly, if you, if you do not count Jesus Christ as your savior, you are God's enemy. You are at war with him. You might not have declared war verbally thinking, I am against you, God, but your life and your actions and your heart say, yes, you are. And the adversity that God brings in your life can be also what draws you to him. Everyone in our lives have things that we struggle with that are, we feel are insurmountable. They are not there because we are merely being punished in this life. Although God could be putting them there as a consequence of our sin to get us to see that we are not the sovereign ones of our lives, that he is. But those things can be put in our lives to open us up, to get us to see that Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ is Lord. He lived a perfect life. He died a death he didn't deserve to pay for the sins of everyone who would believe and that he rose again. If you are that person where you look at your life, I'm not, I am not be following Jesus. Oh, I said a prayer. I went to that camp 20 years ago and I said that prayer. Now I'm a Christian because I said that prayer, but I look at my life and I don't see anything. 
I'm not, I'm not striving after the things of the Lord. I'm not looking to go to, to church and to be drawn nearer to his presence. I'm not reading my Bible. I'm not growing in faith. My life looks exactly the same 20 years now, now as it did 20 years ago when I said that prayer. If that's you, friend, please, that, is, that does not save you. That prayer is not your salvation. Jesus Christ is. And if you are not living your life in obedience to him, you are not saved. I'm not saying this because I'm trying to be judgmental or come down hard on you. I'm telling you what God's word says. That if you are not saved, you are God's enemy. And there will be recompense. Every sin gets punished. God is just. God is 100% merciful. God is 100% just. Every sin gets punished. That sin's either going to be punished on Jesus Christ. Your sin is going to get punished on Jesus Christ. Or your sin's going to get punished on your shoulders. There's no other, there's no other option. I don't believe in you. That doesn't work. I don't believe I deserve that ticket I got 10 years ago driving five miles over the speed limit. I still got that ticket. Whether I believed I deserved it or not, I got it. This is so much more than that. I want to close um, talking about uh, Hebrews. It was long and I didn't want to write the whole thing because it was going to get tiny and I want you guys to be able to read it. Um, if, you are on, if you do not have a Bible, please let me, please let Pastor Nick know. I'm, I'm sure we can find Bibles here that we can give you. Um, if you want to read what I'm what I'm talking about, I don't want you to think that I'm just making up stuff. This is straight out of uh, Ecclesiastes seven. This is out of Hebrews five. This is in the Old Testament. So if you do have a Bible and you open it up to the middle, move just a little bit to the right or to the left, you'll find that there's a table of contents at the beginning too. Uh, this is in the New Testament near the end of the book. So if you want to go home later tonight or later this morning and you want to look, it did Stephen tell me the truth? I will tell you what it says. Then, then you consider. Let me find it. All right. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 5 says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. And this is talking to believers. When the Lord disciplines us, when we have these adversities in our lives, we should not uh, what does it say? Do not regard lightly the, the discipline. We do need to consider it. We need to recognize, one, who is it coming from? Coming from our Heavenly Father. Those of us in here who count Jesus Christ as our Lord, when you face adversity, it is for your good. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. How many of you guys in here are parents? You've got kids or you had kids. Okay. A lot of us are in here are parents. How many of you have had to punish your kids for something? How many of you had to discipline them? Yeah, me too. I'm a teacher. I live half my life disciplining people. <laughs> and you, we don't do it to get revenge on our kids or our students. We don't do it just to, oh, you broke this rule. You're being punished. We broke, we discipline because we love and we want to correct. Don't hit your sister with that toy. <laughs> I have to take it away from you for a while. Do this. God does the same thing with his people. It says that he will discipline his children. He will chastise them. You will get adversity. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. You've been adopted into his family. If you count his son as your savior and Lord, you are adopted into God's family. You are his son or his daughter. 
And every loving parent disciplines their kids for their kids' benefit. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If, if, you, if you don't discipline your kid, you're a bad parent. Our heavenly father is a good parent. He does discipline his kids for their benefit and ultimately for God's glory. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. God takes care to discipline his kids. If you feel like, oh, everything's going great. There's nothing going on in my life. I'm doing whatever I want. I would say consider again. Because God does discipline his kids for their good. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? So we want to see this. Our parents disciplined us when we were all little. I can remember my mom spanking me, grounding me, taking things away. We all can. And at the time, I grumbled against that. But now, especially when I became a dad, I recognized how much my mom loved me to do those things. It was for my good. Even though it costs her. She couldn't do things that she wanted to do because she had a dumb son that she had to like sit on and, and force him to do stuff or take things away because he was a dummy. Like how much more than does our heavenly father love us if, if he's disappointing us than our earthly parents who, although love us and care for us, have no ability to love us in the same way that God does. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may show his holiness. His discipline has a purpose for your life. It's so that holiness begins to come out of you. That you are drawn closer to him. That you love him more. That you are obedient. That the things that he loves, you love. The things that he hates, you hate. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. Yeah, that's true. Rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Guys, in closing, Jesus Christ is real. Nick is here. I'm here. Christine's here. My wife's here. All the people that work here are doing it because Jesus Christ is real, because he is Lord over this earth, because he is compassionate, because he is long-suffering, because he is good. And the things that we do, we are blessed by you guys when you're here. We love that you guys come and attend. We love that we get to talk about the Lord to you. We love that we get to share about who this God is that created all things, including you. If you're a Christian here, brother, sister, we love you. We're so glad that we get to bless you and be part of the fellowship together with you. If you're not, salvation is today. Believe. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's close in prayer and then we'll move on. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, God. Uh, we know that this day came to us uh, from you, God, whether we've already experienced prosperity or adversity today, Lord, or even what we see in the future that we don't know that's coming even like in the next hour, God. We know it is not out of your hands. You are in control of it all. God, thank you for this opportunity to get to share your word. Lord, I pray that for anyone in here who does, does not count you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, God, I pray that you you put this thought deep in their heart that this desire that only your spirit can can ignite in the heart of a non-believer, God, please open their heart to 
a desire to know who you are, Father, to recognize that their sin has separated from them from you and that only your son's blood can cover those sins, God. We thank you for so much. God, thank you for the blessings that all this food that has uh, come here is going to be for people, God, even now this um, these blessings that you pour out on uh, both your kids and those who do not count you as Lord God. You are merciful and just, and we love you so much. Amen.